Hey people, this is Aram. Welcome back to God's Fall, a proud member of Neon Rival. Join the collective at neonrival.com. Episode 72, Call of the North. When we last saw Haldir and Ariska, they had boarded the Rylandian fog cutter and set off down a knee's great canal toward the King Sea. The Jackdaws, Inchova the Thief, Urukov the Fighter, and Brannock the Knight took control of a royal barge and ordered the crew to follow Haldir's ship. My name is Stephen Kropa, and I'm playing Captain Rugov Caesar. My name is Michael. I'm playing Chancellor Gringo, a fifth-level gnomish scribe. My name is Joe. I'm playing Lord Haldir Loran, a sixth-level high elf warlock. My name is Carlos Luna, and I play the three jackdaws. Inshova, the fourth-level human thief. Kaslik, the fourth-level human ranger. Urukov, the fourth-level human fighter. My name is Allison. I'm playing Ariska Tane, an eighth-level human bard. <laughs> Jackdaws want to... How far away is that third ship? So the canal goes through the center of the city. It opens up into this large inner lake. And there's a giant statue of Situ. Well, there's a giant there's a giant temple to Situ, the old god of the sea, Situ, and his two demigod siblings holding up this giant basin that spills water out of it. And so the one demigod was the god of the stars, and the demigod of navigation on either side that were his two daughters. While they're in that area, there's just basically there's docks all around it. There's tons and tons of ships, mainly merchant vessels, some private ships that carry the very wealthy back and forth, but there'd be dozens of ships in that area. But the fog cutter is the only one that's going to be able to get through. The fog cutter is the only one that's going to be able to get through. However, I mean, once you get out, even if you tied yourself to the fog cutter and then let go, you're a barge in the middle of the ocean. If you got on another ship, you could at least hang close. And I mean, once the fog goes out of a fog cutter, it goes out for almost a full mile. There's a whole, I mean, it's got to be hidden within it. So there's like a mile of fog that pours out from it. So my thought was to attach the barge to the fog cutter and let go when we got to the barricade. And then just float? No, because we're all... Besides Brannock, us two are Kadarin, right? Right. So I want to board the barricade and then find a ship out of there. Oh, you want to get picked up. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. perfect then. Perfect. I was just afraid that, like, if we attach ourselves to a ship, is that going to fuck us, like, with that? Like, is that, like, attaching, like, an inner tube to, like, a speedboat? It's going to be choppy. Yeah. And you're going to have to get rid of the four people around you. Well, this is what I was thinking. I was thinking they would take it right up to the ship, and I would tell them that, we need to attach to this ship so I can climb up and get on there. And then, you know, we can release you before it sets sail. Right. But as soon as they attach it, I'm going to kill them.
As we approach the gates, Ariska strides onto the deck. How far from either side of the canal is is this fog cutter? There's like a good 50 feet on either side. It's a wide canal. That's perfect. As we approach the gates, Ariska steps up and she looks to Haldir. Uh, She gives him a big exaggerated wink. And then she looks up at one wall and she just sort of points her finger. I'm assuming that there are guards or some other attendants that are on the wall. Anyone who's sort of near where the gates are operated as we're passing through. Oh, sure, absolutely, yeah. She reaches out to that person with a just random attendant, reaches out with her divinity and wills the crown of madness around that random person's head. It's a, it's a wisdom save against my divinity score. You reach out and you see this one gentleman like slam his hands onto the railing before him and he sways for a second and his knees buckle and he starts to pitch forward over the railing and just at the last second, another guard grabs him and drags him back up and he shakes it off and he falls to his knees and he vomits out of just pure fear and your ship just glides on by. <laughs> if we're not an initiative, you know, I'm, she's she's using hideous laughter. Um, sure, okay, hang on. Yeah, she's using hideous laughter. She's using dissonant whispers. She's just any random people that are standing around these gates, she's trying to sow as much chaos as possible. So that is happening. Some guards are failing. They're screaming and laughter. There's other guards shouting. The guards that aren't being affected are all flipping out because none of them know what's happening. In this confusion, you guys slide right up to the back of the boat. As you get there, this is all kind of breaking off and the guards kind of look at each other and they slam the poles in, into the water to stop just before they get to the boat. What are the jackdaws doing? Wait, who put their oars in, in the, to stop it? So once once the people paddling... Oh, why are they... So what are, what are they trying to do? They're trying well, to stop... Well, they just... Nothing. They're just reacting because everything broke into chaos around them. <sighs> I don't like lying to these nice gentlemen, but I don't... <laughs> it's a noble death. How far away from the ship are we? Five feet. Five feet? If you took him out now, the ship would just, the barge would just glide forward and slam right into, or bump into it gently. All this chaos like erupts from the side walls uh, and it takes the trio off guard where they're kind of like, what the hell just happened here? And then they notice that the soldiers, because they're trained soldiers, like kind of stop what they're doing. And in that instant, we attack three of them. Uh, shit, I rolled horribly. Uh, three and four. No, but that's still enough to hit because, again, these guys aren't wearing armor. They're just people oh. with AC 10. So your pluses to oh, hit are a gotcha, plenty to gotcha. get you to AC 10. So you so you come up behind them and... <laughs> Fucking bus drivers. <laughs> no, that's all they are. They're bus drivers. It's not hard. Oh, my God. You guys clonk them and maybe you, you don't hit them enough to like knock them out the first time so you have to then wrestle and kick them off the there there's a little bit of a fight to get them off and you finally get your guys like you know quietly stabbed and you know dumped into the water or whatever you're doing and it's it's perfect timing because there's 
people falling into the water at this part. Hey, there's chaos breaking out everywhere. So everyone's concerned with their own chaos, and maybe not so much with the small amount of chaos right below them. They both look up, and by the time they're finally, they're, you know, a little bit out of breath because it was a little bit tougher fight than they thought, and they look up just in time to see Brannick has cut the head off one of them and then moved and stabbed the other one. So they're just watching as Brannick silently pulls his blade out of the other guard's chest, and they both fall and roll into the water at the same time. And Brannick turns and nods. The thief is kind of in awe, and uh, they do a round, and they're all looking at each other. Brannock's just like, <sighs> breathing heavy, and the thief is just like, brother. And the big guy's like, brother. And Brannock is, brothers. All right, so you loop yourself to the boat. Chaos is going off everywhere around you. Haldir, how are you reacting to all this? Uh, I roll my eyes and look forward, wholly unimpressed. The main gates of Avani open before you. The boat rolls out into the canal. You are drugged behind it. It's a little choppy and a little bangy, but you guys hold on tight. You're strong, and the two of you are sailors, and actually so is Brannock, so... You are brought out and you can, like, just to this part where you can see the tips of the Kadarian blockade sails rising up over you. Ariska's been, she's just been laughing. She's been laughing out loud. <laughs> oh my God, this is amazing. Look at, the, did you see that? And she's looking back toward Haldir now. Wasteful. You'll learn. Tell the crew to set a course for Black Fang Bay. We've got a god to kill. trying to say about yourself. I don't understand. Mistress requests your presence. Yes, I've heard. Your mistress requests your presence. Your presence. Lord, your presence. Your presence. Your presence. Silence. Stupid girl. I don't care. Your stupid presence. I'll give you a presence. I'll give you a presence. I was the king. I would say we start in the King Sea, and the three of you are adrift, and you've been called north by this mysterious outsider force. What would they call the mysterious outsider force, you think? It has given no name, so it really depends on them. They're on a raft, or? Think like a big raft. These are meant to go up and down a canal. They're not really meant to be, you know, in the sea. And how long have they been out there? I would say, let's say about two hours. Okay, so they're not, like, going stir-crazy or anything. No, like, no, 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 not yet. But at, at the same point, it would be at the time where they'd be like, okay, we've been out here for two hours, so what's the plan next? 
And they're in uniforms, right? They're in. They are currently in Kadarian. Uh, Kad- well, no, they no, they would be in Anian uniforms because they. That's Anian, what, yeah, yes. They yeah. took an um, Anian Royal Guard uniforms. And they're anticipating being picked up. What they know about the King Sea right now is that the Kadarians have formed a blockade around Ani. So the most likely ship that they're going to run into is a Kadarian ship. So they're all sitting around the raft, cross-legged, and they have their eyes closed, kind of in a meditative state. They know that one of two things are going to happen. Either they're going to float out to sea forever and never be found, or perhaps they will be picked up by some random ship. They literally are fishing. Like, they're, wait- they're fish waiting for someone who's gone fishing. And Brennick's probably been the most quiet out of all of them. He has a lot to consider after just being broken out of jail. Yeah, so even though that they are a trio and that they are three and kind of complete each other, they still had their own lives prior to this. And Brannock has gone through so much trauma uh, prior to meeting them. He still hasn't worked out his own demons. He does have an overwhelming need for, like, allegiance to these guys, much like your own family. But at the same time, he wouldn't think twice to fight with them, I guess. He, he cares about them. He, he's connected to them in a way. All his walls and his defense mechanisms are still up. And he doesn't know them. Yeah, he I mean, doesn't he know them. feels a strong connection to them, but he met them six hours ago. Exactly. So he's at odds with himself, with his own like common sense. Like, how much can you trust these people? And right now, Brannock feels like a worm on a hook. Not to mention the fact that he just watched uh, that he's killed his own. I mean, he literally killed Onian guards, and he's been an Onian guard his entire adult life. Brannock's blind allegiance to Ani has finally been put in like into to the test. He has been imprisoned by basically the woman he loved, tortured by the woman he loved, betrayed by his own country, and now he's an outsider. Now he's the thing that he swore to protect Ani from. And the worst part is they just forgot about him. Oh, yeah. Like, he was thrown into a prison. He was part of the A-team. He was involved with all these people's lives, and they literally just forgot about him. He was sacrificed, and it was proven that he was expendable, He's wrestling with the fact that in his friend's eyes, he was dead. Like, he was dead to them. And what does that mean? Like, what does that mean when you feel the opposite for the thing that you love the most? And now the thing that, like, you basically hate it, these jackdaws, are now feeling like your family. And Brennick had definite, like, he wasn't the smartest guy there, you know? He wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed. But he's loyal. There is an unspoken language that Brannock thought he had with Ani and the people in Ani, and he was willing to sacrifice his own life time after time, thinking that they felt the same way about him. And when it came down to it, they not only betrayed him, forgot him, tortured him, they tried to shut him away and turn him off. If that had been any one of them in the dungeon, he would have stormed those walls single-handed. He, he would be dead or, he, or they would be free. And no one felt the same way about Brannock. All of them have a lot to think about. They lost a companion that they have been training with for years. The Jackdaws, the cover is that they were a sports team 
And one of the things that they do is that they have these teams of three that will fight these magically powered constructs. In order to show hum, you know, human superiority over the old designs of the gods and magic. And they are one of these teams and they're well known as this sports team, but they're also secret, you know, secret agents that were sent into Ani. So they they were they were a team for years. They were highly trained for years and they've lost someone as well now. I would say individually they all have their own different type of history. And I guess if trying to shed light on it, like in Shova the thief, he was an orphan, raised on the streets, never had family connection, uh, never felt allegiance until he found this game and this team and instantly became connected. Like that which was lacking was filled at that time. Urkov grew up kind of like the little man until he hit puberty in his late teens and he became this like huge ogre type person. He didn't participate in all the things that like everyone, all the other kids were at that time and made up for it when he met his team, instant connection, and it took him places, and they were all one big family. Koslik grew up in a house where there were certain things expected of her, and she wasn't really taken seriously in terms of her mind or her uh, strength and power. And as soon as she found her team, yeah, she fell right into it. Uh, she was taken seriously. She was seen finally as an equal. And again, these three people, all missing things that the other person had, filled, made it easier for the voice to connect them all. Even though they're on different corners of the raft, all with their eyes closed meditating, the other two have learned to shut their mind off for privacy, and Brannock hasn't. So he's flipping through memories. So if you were to look at it in his mind, it would be Brannock on a chair flipping through like a photo album and one hand on his left shoulder, one hand on his right shoulder, just looking down at his memories with him uh, as he goes over the Union or the Godlings or uh, Phryne. His time spent with Phryne, his time as a guard. Yeah, yeah. and uh, what it's gotten him his entire life. In the photo album, it's different than like a normal photo album. So a normal photo album shows you the best moments in your life. This photo album, in his mind's eye, are what other people didn't see. It's him barely being able to walk once he was beaten in a battle. It's him feeling alone while the other godlings talked to each other and completely ignored him. It's him walking back to a room and he can hear voices making fun of him. It's the photo album that you hide deep in your mind and as he flips through the pages, more devastated, the other guys kind of soak it in too. 
He's projecting it, and they begin to get a little defensive for him. Feelings that they didn't have about people that they've never met before begin to arise for him. Cinematically, if we pull the camera back and we see him in that black room, kind of like Stranger Things, I guess, he's sitting there alone, a squirrely guy on his left, a big, strong ogre-type guy on his right, both hands on his shoulders. In most scenes, this would look like Devil and Angel, it just looks like a devil and devil. Say the whole name. Captain Naruga sees that. And you are a Kadarian officer, and you are in charge of the Burden, which is a supply ship. Uh, after the breaking of the world, Kadar suffered a lot. Uh, it took heavy losses. The entire center of the country was basically burned away. And there was a massive relief effort right after the war just to keep everyone fed. Ani gave Kadar a fleet dozens of ships to help in this effort and the burden is one of these original ships so it has a long history and you have just recently dropped off supplies in the north and are headed back towards wessel to pick up more staples beans wheat rice you are also carrying illegally several dozen barrels of this dwarven acid that is highly explosive that uh, was picked up from Gaul Hadir. You're being paid by a man named Baron Lafleur to carry these barrels uh, south and drop them off in Port Bliss along your way to Wessel. You were just turning to do that when one of your lieutenants runs up and, you know, you're in your quarters uh, looking at maps and ledgers and numbers and knocks on your door. Yes. Uh, sir, sorry to bother you. No, there, please, no you never bother. There appears to be uh, a royal onion wrap mm. that has somehow, we assume, parted from the canal and is uh, off our port side. Are they doing anything? Are they just, what are they doing? Are they sitting there? Yeah, they... We're not quite close enough, so we can just, we just recognize it's a raft and the colors of Ani are pretty clear. All right. Uh, he gets up and uh, pulls open like a drawer at his desk and he just takes a handful of like these sea stones, kind of limestone, and he goes, uh, let's get closer. Do they recognize the ship? Roll perception. 18. In Shova, not only recognizes that it is Kadarian, but recognizes that it is a Kadarian supply ship. And they would be really happy about that. Right? I'd imagine because they're they, Kadarian. I, not, I mean, not only are they Kadarian soldiers, well, I mean, you know, they're Kadarian spies, basically. But they're also, I mean, again, this team that they were on is well known. They toured throughout Kadar. They're famous. They would all look at each other, look at the boat, look at each other, stand up, and then start doing the Kadarian salute. Roll a wisdom check to see how well Brannock follows along. So 11. He fumbles a little He's bit. He's got some peripheral vision going on. Exactly, yeah. exactly. He's kind of like in the second line of the, of, of the dance uh, yeah. class, right? <laughs> but he's following along, and not only that, as he's doing the movements, I mean, yes, he's been in the military for so long, and there's only so much variation from military to military. A lot of the things are similar. At the same point, it all feels 
familiar. The all of the, like even the salute is is different, but it feels right. Yeah. And then the more he does it, the more right it feels. He's definitely a cog. It feels better to be part of a machine again. Absolutely. So your first mate would lower his spyglass, look to you kind of confused, and say, It's three Anian Royal Guards, sir, but you should see this, and hands it to you. And when you look, it's they're clearly saluting as Kadarians. Well, that's not something that can't be learned, so I think let's go see what these boys have to say. Rugov never takes the helm. He d delegates that. He always stands at the very front of the ship with one leg up and kind of just like lets the water hit him. And he wants to be the first person there and the first person to see something. Your crew is finally trained and oh, yes. you guys pull up basically right alongside this barge, toss down some ropes mm -hmm. because or you could drop anchor or you could hope that they'll grab onto the ropes and then, you know, run alongside. We uh, toss down some ropes and uh, as soon as your hands grab it, we have men start pulling you up. Okay. I would like you guys to roll strength rolls, all three of the jackdaws. 15, 13, 18. They are all clearly well-trained. They grab those ropes without hesitation, clearly have no attachment to the barge, and they are up on deck within moments. Great. Uh, and they are put up against the wall immediately. All of them are armed and wearing armor. The crew starts to circle around and makes way for Captain Rugoff to get through. Fellows! That's what he calls his crew. My fellows, we have some guests. And yet, what kind of guests are these? Should they meet Father's Bane? And they hold up his long sword. They all cheer at the same yeah. time. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. No, 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 no. It's like Lost Boys type yeah. shit. Father's Bane is left for only the darkest of fears. Shall it be Mother's Light? And he holds up a short sword. No, 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 that is reserved for those who share my surname. Yes, no, they shall be inquired with the power of Colin. And he holds up his crossbow. Bro! And everyone's like, Colin, Colin! And as you, uh, someone puts up a pear on top of each of your heads. Oh, wow. And someone holds out a bottle, like a, clearly just an alcoholic bottle. And Captain Rugoff takes a huge swig of it, spins around three times, and with one hand over his eyes, he fires three arrows. <laughs> I would like you, <laughs> I would like you to roll to hit with disadvantage. Okay. Start with the first one. Wait, roll to not hit with disadvantage. Well, that's why he's got to roll to hit because it's got to be. This is just a show. Yeah, he's just yeah. trying not yeah. to hit you. So, okay. Yeah. Oh, so it has to. Yeah, yeah he's got to okay. roll. He's got to roll accuracy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? You've done this so many times, I'm going to take away disadvantage. Okay. So do, what was that first roll? That was 16 plus. What am I using? 16 plus is going to nail it. Ooh. Is this performance? That one. That's a that one. No, this could be dexterity. That one. 11. So you fire thunk, 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 <laughs> and one goes through a pair, one goes through a pair, and one goes right through Urakov's leg. <laughs> Just buries itself into his left thumb. He must not have been worthy. <laughs> and he's just grunting. He, he doesn't flinch and he doesn't move. He he's just like grunting like under his breath. Like <sighs> uh, Rugov walks over and he takes another swig of the alcohol, spits it onto your leg, and then pulls the, breaks the arrow and pulls it out. As he pulls the arrow out, all 
all three men close their eyes and wince. You guys are close. <laughs> Your lieutenant walks up and taps you on the... Oh, he, looks at the he looks at the wrong shoulder, then he looks back. Oh, I thought you were trying to trick me. <laughs> and he kind of leans in with a hand over so they can't see him whisper. Um, sir, uh, I know two of these men. They are jackdaws, sir. I, 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 know, I know you're not big into the games, but I'm telling you, like, half the crew knows who these guys are. Lackjaw? What? Uh, jackdaws, sir. Jackdaws. Oh. I guess that must be impressive to somebody, but not here on the burden. <laughs> anyway, quarter them up. They're fine, guys, if you want any more of this. What was I drinking? Rum, sir. Rum, rum. Here, there's some more rum. Are we tied up at all? Are we no, we just push you against oh, the wall. Just put, okay. it was, this happens so quick. He does this for <laughs> yeah. anybody he picks up. Inshova would, uh, would take the rum from him, and he would just be... Inshova basically is the mouthpiece of the group right now. Uh, it used to be Kaslik, but now it's, it's pretty much Inshova. It, and it kind of switches around depending on who they're talking to. Sure. Uh, if if they need to strong arm someone, it'll yeah, be Urakov. Right. Exactly. If it's charisma, it's probably Inshova. Thank you, Captain, for taking us aboard. We are quite appreciative. My friend here seemed to have gotten in the way of your arrow. We apologize greatly to you. Well, pairs are known to jump, so... <laughs> yes, of course, of course. Uh, we, we are very grateful for you having us on your ship here. Uh, might I ask where we are headed? Your official port of call is in Wessel to pick okay. up grain. The, the first stop that you'd be making is in Port Bliss. Okay. As you're being paid to smuggle cargo right, right, to right, right. Port Bliss. You guys want to go the exact opposite way. You have a handful of bright diamonds. Each diamond is worth 1,000 gold. So you have about 7,000 gold on you, which is a huge sum of money. What would that be in, like, dollars? I would say that, uh, for instance, he is smuggling eight dozen explosive barrels of dwarven acid that if he got caught with them, he'd be court-martialed, okay. right? And he's being paid maybe 200 gold oh, for that wow. entire shipment, maybe 250. And he's splitting some of that up with his crew, so he might make 150 gold off of that. That's how valuable things are. An entire cow. Remember when, when we were buying the yeah. face chains? An entire cow can be bought for 10 gold, and a good one, too. Are we, sorry, are we part of the same army? No. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So uh, Kadar is one big, huge. It's it, it's the largest military uh, force. But it's again, the fire it's also, nation. Right. Gotcha. It's the fire nation. <laughs> yeah. It's exactly what, what it is. It. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I was waiting for something like that. All right. Well, we're going to east of Port Bliss. East of Port Bliss. I mean, west to Wessel. I mean, we're going where we're going. Uh, oh, that sounds great. Anywhere you take us sounds great. Well, I mean, it'd have to because where I say it goes, and we're we go, I say. Of course, sir. Of course. Uh, well, I must retire. Uh, Colin always wears me out. So why don't uh, you make yourselves at home, please? If you need anything, just ask. And if someone says no, please don't take it. But if they say yes, all yours. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Much appreciated. You'd think that would be clear, but I have to say it because we've had a few last last couple people we had picked up. Just, just We said no, and then they took things. There's nothing in any barrel. There's nothing in any barrel. You got it right. All right. <laughs> He like, walks away and high-fives one of his fellows. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for God's Fall Episode 72, Call of the North. 
For my DM's notes on this episode, including multi-deck layouts of Captain Rugov's ship, The Burden, check out our Patreon at patreon.com godsfall. Carlos and I just picked up tickets to fly to D.C. for our next recording session in February, and those flights were made possible by our loyal Patreon supporters, so we cannot thank you all enough. We also want to remind you that we are rapidly selling out of God's Fall World Book pre-orders. There are less than 100 print copies left, so if you want to make sure you get one, go to worldbook.godsfall.com and reserve your copy today. And if you haven't checked out our other Neon Rival shows, I implore you to give them a listen. The Dungeon Rats is hands down the funniest D&D podcast ever produced, and our run through the Tomb of Annihilation shows our production magic at its best, including an original soundtrack by the amazing Carlos Luna. To listen to all of our shows and get news and information about future appearances and live productions, head on over to NeonRival.com. Produced and edited by Dead Ghost Productions. Find out more about us and all the shows we make at deadghostpro.com. <laughs> <laughs>